Hey Bads, this is Victor Ong, one of the hosts of this podcast. And before we get into this episode with our guy, Gavin Masumiya, I wanted to share a quick message with you about the 2020 census. The census is our American way of counting everyone living in the United States to determine how resources are allocated and how decisions are made. This data is used to allocate $1.5 trillion to fund important services like schools, libraries, roads, and healthcare. Businesses also use this data to decide whether to open up new stores in our neighborhoods. And this is especially important for the Asian American community, seeing that 40% of families have yet to respond, making us underrepresented in our local communities. So. This week, along with the other fellow Asian organizations across the country, member shows of the Asian Podcast Network, like yours truly, are proud to participate in the 2020 Census Asian Week of Action. If you haven't already, take a moment to go to 2020census.gov to fill out yours for your household. This is our last chance for the next 10 years, and the deadline is fast approaching. It takes just minutes and can make a decade of impact. We also encourage you to check in with your family and friends to make sure they do the same. Let's make sure the voices of our amazing community are heard loud and clear and participate in the 2020 census. Let's get counted and shape our future, here and now. And with that, let's get right into the episode with Gavin Masamiya. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sebo Shen with The Bad Podcast. And this week, we got another excellent, excellent episode. I know you guys have been enjoying, enjoying all the episodes th- so far, but this guest in particular is one of my favorite guests. Um, I interviewed him on the Ham Podcast, and I had so much fun with him. We wanted to ask him back for The Bad Podcast. So let me introduce you guys to Gavin Masumiya. He is a mindset coach. He is the founder of Flowmasters. Gavin, welcome to the show. Dude, I'm super glad to be here. All right, all right. I was expecting like a little bit more response with that intro, but you know yeah, what? Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm playing with the energy a little bit. I like what um, you know, our, our mutual friend Marcus had talked about earlier in a Facebook Live about you have a flow, the flow stick shift, you know? And I just experiment with different energies. I just wanted to come with a little bit of like, okay, I'm good. Good. Awesome. I, awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Hell yeah. Hey. And my my <laughs> co-pilot today is the host of the Human Up podcast, Victor Ung. How you doing today, Victor? Well, uh, yes. Uh, thanks for having me too. I'm excited to be on part of the Badass Asian Dudes and excited to talk with Gavin about some good shit here. Let's go. All right. All right. Well, the first question we had for you today, Gavin, is what does being a badass Asian dude mean to you? Mm, interesting question. And actually, actually, before we get into that, you know, I did your intro for you, but you know, for people that don't know you, how do you kind of describe yourself and what you do? Yeah. Well, first off, I'm a human being. Then everything comes secondary to that. You know, like I'm a fourth generation Japanese American. Uh, I'm a mindset coach. I'm very fascinated with the psychological mechanisms behind the things that we do. And I'm also very fascinated with flow state. You know, and it's that optimal state of consciousness where we perform at our best. And it side of flow masters, this is that's the pl- that's my wheelhouse that that I am so obsessed about. Like it is my healthy addiction. Um, but basically, I I'm a human. I love flow. I love mindset, and I'm really out to 
transform um, the self-esteem of marginalized voices in the world. Yeah, I, I actually really love that too. And and like we've been uh, we've been been basically hanging out for quite a few months now since we have. Uh, since You're you, right. Like, since uh, you started this thing, and it's been super cool to even just watch that sort of progress as well. But I'd love to kind of just tap into like even before that, you know, and what was what was your story even coming into this work or or even like focusing your attention around building a business around this yeah a uh, really really good question um so so prior to it what, what i was primarily doing like i had a my previous career was actually in social services which i know a uh, sable knows a lot about and that was eight years of my career um and it was just my heart wasn't in it you know and the thing that i do really appreciate in retrospect right i really think that there's a lot of value um in looking back and using and seeing the touch points of different things on what did i like what did i not like what did i wish things could have went differently um but during that that's when i really um started uh finding out more about coaching and people would just tell me like hey um have you ever thought about i know that you're considering becoming a clinical psychologist have you ever thought about coaching and the reason why I asked that one of my friends said it is because like, it's just, you seem like you have that kind of quality to you. And back in the day, that was like 2011. So I didn't know what that was. So I just researched and found through Tony Robbins. Um, I saw his TED talk and then he talked about the six human needs under human needs psychology. I'm like, oh, wow, there's actually a little bit of psychology that goes into coaching. And so anyways, a couple years later, I moved to Japan to explore my mom's uh, career. So I didn't put this into perspective, but social services was my dad's career, right? When I got out of school at UC Irvine studying psychology, I didn't want to rush into it. Um, I'm making this very long-winded, uh, but it just goes to show like when you don't know what you do want to do sometimes, the easiest thing is to follow the footsteps of somebody that you know. So I followed my dad's footsteps. I realized it took me a long time, but that wasn't my, that wasn't my role and I was comfortable, but it wasn't, my, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I explored going to Japan, how to kill two birds with one stone, traveling around the motherland. I'm Japanese American. And also thinking about teaching. And um, that I was just like, well, first off, the junior high school students are paying the ass. So I knew that that was just not the age group that I wanted to deal with at all. But what I appreciated about it was group facilitation. I got to be in front of like 40 students who didn't give a shit about um, uh, English for the most part. And then how do I still command the respect even if they didn't respect the main teacher? You know, and I found that kind of fascinating. It was really challenging, more challenging than I thought, but I learned a lot about holding space. And so every single situation for anybody that's listening that you're going through, that maybe you're going through something right now that you don't really um, enjoy or you find you don't find much pleasure in, there's a lot of power in, in, in also pain as well. And so I just wanted to point that out. Um, but it was actually in Japan that I started coaching people for free. You know, I started coaching people um, in the U.S. Navy and then also some people back home. And then that's when I fell in love. I would commit my weekends on Saturday, specifically in the morning. Um, but then I came back, started coaching people, start, got my job back to get some cash flow, started coaching. I stopped. I quit in 2018 to pursue coaching full time, you know, and it's been an up and downhill as far as like month to month as, as an entrepreneur. It, it totally fluctuates, right? But, you know, uh, just about like four years ago, I met a friend in Toastmasters 
one of my other passions is in public speaking. And uh, he saw me speak one time and then he just, we just formed a friendship and found out accidentally that we both like to freestyle, but we just didn't have the courage to show it. So once again, like, you know, if, yeah, um, I would practice in the, my closet basically by myself. Uh, but then when we come together, it's just, we both felt so alive. I've never felt it before. And my cousin moved in with me. He came, he got into it and then he fell in love and then he started exploring his more poetic side. And then we were like, what if we just start sharing it publicly? And so um, I'm making this a big story, but that was, um, it all came like, I realized that Flowmasters was really powerful when we did it at the beach. And it was the shittiest situation in a way because the wind was blowing. It's called Dockweiler Beach. The planes were going over. We didn't get a fire pit. The music sucked because the music wasn't trapping the sound, but people still found value in it. And I was like, oh my God, we got to find out how to do something with this. And um, yeah, it inspired this thing that I was later a part of called the Creative Gathering. Um, and then quarantine happened. So I had to figure out, you know, just got to be resourceful. How do I turn this into a virtual experience? And then finding amazing people like Sable, who's, you know, and, and like you, Victor, um, it, you never know what's going to happen when you just put yourself out there. When you put yourself out there, it's an amazing thing. So. Love it. Love it. Yeah, no, I, I hear a lot from that it is that like again like like you just said like putting yourself out there and then kind of seeing what opportunities do present themselves and 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 taking advantage of that right um i i think as as a common theme with all all of us being asian dudes here is that you know sometimes we might um might be chasing opportunities or, or chasing a certain path to you know, try to try to force something to open versus being adaptable to to things coming, and then and then more importantly, taking that risky step to to do something about that. Right? Um, things kind of just present themselves, but we we forget to actually take action, or or maybe lim- managing the fears, the limiting beliefs that come up. Um, so, for you to to say like fuck all that. All right. Like, how can I, you know, do, um, how can I, how can I start my own thing and, and take advantage of finding my own sense of flow, which, which I, we're definitely going to get into what the flow masters is in that course. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, hearing about, you know, your story growing up, I'm, I'm always curious, like, what were those, obstacles then or what kind of resistance did you get if any from you know wanting to live your life with more intention with more meaning and to um you know break away from other people or or other people's shoulds yeah i mean i think it goes deep you know i was a middle child growing up and i didn't think that was a neglected middle child i just thought you know that i was i was inferior to my my younger brother my older sister I just thought that they exceeded me so much. Um, they were just smarter than me. And that my sister never had lower than a 4.0. I was, I was pretty average, you know, like I had to work, I had the bus mask to get a 3.5. I, I like, I do my homework and stuff just to get it, not a 4.0, 3.5, you know. Uh, and I, that was, there was an inferiority complex that, that I had. And so in, in a way I had to figure out like, okay, if I'm not going to beat my, my, uh, siblings it's competitive you know like family competition it's like if i can't beat my 
my uh, brother and my sister in intellectually, I have to find another way. So I'm like, okay, emotionally, socially, um, let me, let me, let me hone this shit. You know, I have to break through this little shy shyness thing that's that's going on inside of me. And so it started off like I kind of like strong suited my way. Um, uh, I was, uh, I really considered myself shy all throughout middle school and in parts of high school, but it, man, I mean, I think there were just few moments like even going back, I, I told both of you, but just for the sake of listeners out there, um, growing up like fifth grade, there was this one thing, I don't, it just stood out to me so much. Um, and so in fifth grade, before you go to middle school, there's, you call, before you have culmination, we had like this play that we're supposed to do. And uh, the play was called Lucy Whipple. And then uh, people had different roles there. And I really wanted to be a particular role. And the role was, his name was Mr. Scatter. He owned the general store inside this little country. And I really wanted that role for some reason. And who ended up actually getting the role was, his name was Peter Evenson. He was this popular white dude and uh, all the girls liked him, you know, um, to be honest, he was kind of a dick, you know, <laughs> but he, people liked him for some reason. And that alone I found fascinating, right? Oh, the dick is going to get, it, it's cool. So think about the model that that served for me in middle school, right? right? Um, but, but piggybacking that was, um, I wanted that role, but I didn't have the courage to. And so what I ended up being was I ended up being stage crew which was the, it was the shadow, the one that didn't have any lines that were in parentheses in the script. Move the chair, put the flower right here, change, change the backdrop, right? And so I had the script at home and what I would end up doing is I would actually um, practice the, the lines, specific lines that I really liked because I, that's how much I really wanted that role. Um, and then, um, yeah, so... Actually, I shared it with y'all, but yeah, one of, one of the lines is ingrained in my brain, you know, and uh, I still remember it when I was 12 years old. I'm 33 now, you know, and the line was like, beans and bacon, fish and cans, barrels of flour, sacks of yams, raisins, rice, salt, pork and such, woods and cotton, soft and touch, tubs and buckets, pots and pans, gullicks from the Pharaoh lands, pigs and whiskey, candy, trees, picks and shovels, pickled beets. We take credit, coins and dust, come to scatters, a store to trust, you know, and like that that thing just crystallized in me just how, you know, how much I just, I wanted to, to be seen. And I, I made myself really wrong for that. Like, oh, you should have done that. You know, you should have went for that. And um, that in a way was one of those ignite moments in my life where in, it was happened later on, but that moment, like in my head, nothing changed right away behaviorally, but in my head, I was like, I got to do something about this. You got to stop being a little Asian you know, and so just through years of, of, you know, um, doing Toastmasters, doing these different types of speech competitions, uh, doing these little social experiments on Venice Beach, rapping on Venice Beach, just because I'm like, I'm just going to put myself out there, you know, it, uh, that slowly just starts to sculpt the way that I saw myself. You build resilience when people are like, you suck. You have to build resilience on that. You know, I have to find a way on how do I, how do I actually turn that into a strength? And I always remember that, you know, and I look back and I'm like, I wanted to be that dude. But I realize now it's just like, I don't want to be that dude. Yeah. I don't want to be Tony Robbins. I, I want to be, I'm here to be me yeah. and the best version of myself, you know? So that was one of those pain points for me is wanting to be somebody, uh, that character, but then 
opting out for something much smaller. Yeah, no. And, and I love that story because it's, uh, it's, there's, there's definitely so much that can be, that that can be drawn out of our childhood in that sense, in in terms of what we really and truly care about um, to the core without like before all the adulting that we do, all the responsibilities, all the other things that people, you know, project onto you, right? This is that core thing that, that really lights you up. And it sounds like there's been a, a whole process in reconnecting to that. Um, um, and, and then what I also kind of pull from that too, is a reminder in the growth that, that I've been, um, even actually being in Flowmasters, uh, with, was really, you know, being comfortable with myself and, and what I want to express and what I care about and not feeling like I, you know, not feeling like other people will, will judge me for it and whatnot, and that I can create my own version of, of whatever. And so like, so, so I guess having that said, you know, maybe you can go into quickly, like what really is Flowmasters, you know, and, and, uh, what is your goal and what is that mission that mm. you're, you're going after for that? Yeah. I, you know, when people think of Flowmasters, you know, some, some people might think automatically of just like freestyle rapping, which is indeed, if you look at it sometimes in certain respects, it's like, oh, they're freestyle rapping. But really underneath it, I really see it as it's a disguise. You know, you, you come in and you freestyle rap, but really you get your life out of it. You know? And so you know, it, Flowmasters in a nutshell is really a space where you can come there, you can take your mask off and you can just be yourself through the power of music. And music has a beautiful way of emoting. And so when you can just have a conversation with music or you even have a monologue and you talk about what you care about, what you love, what, you, what you're afraid of, and all of those things, it has a way of moving people. And it doesn't even rhyme. And so for me, like Flowmasters is a space for people to really get that you can, you can truly be appreciated for being yourself. And it's sacred because not every space in the world would, will create that space. You can be yourself in certain spaces and you will be ostracized for it. You know, but in, in Flowmasters, I want it to be a sacred space. Well, hey, in this space, you have, you don't need permission to be yourself in the world. Yeah. You still won't be, you may not be like, but you don't need permission. But if you feel like you do, you come here and you can express yourself. And from here, let's build you up. Let's build your character. Let's build your self-esteem inside of this. And what I've noticed is that people that come out, they build themselves up and they, you know, it inspires them. Like this, this one guy. Omar, he's freaking awesome. He started posting videos about him crumping and freestyling at the same time because he's seeing that you can cross-pollinate your interests, which is the origin of Flowmasters, which is an in- intersection of three things, coaching, public speaking, and freestyle. And it's just like anybody can cross-pollinate that way. Shout out to Elizabeth Gilbert. She brought that concept to me, you know? Um, but that's really what it is. It's a space for you to honestly express yourself. And through that, you build your self-esteem and that gives you more courage. To, to do those things in the world that you've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's very relevant to what this podcast is about, right? Being badass <laughs> and, and, and redefining what that means for yourself too. Yeah. Um, and cause, cause what I hear from that too is like it, you know, a big part of being badass is really 
finding your own version of like that cross pollination of your interests, of your skills, of what pe other people might care about, kind of that intersection of, of things. And, and I think it might be common, you know, try, I always try to <laughs> resist generalizing, but it's kind of hard to do, but, you know, um, I think it is common still in a lot of Asian families where we don't really consider ourselves creative or expressive. And, um, and I, and I, I guess I kind of like to take this opportunity, opportunity to speak to the listeners who maybe have felt like they've been limited or contained or somehow, um, you know, just held back, whether from their own limiting beliefs or from other people's totally kind of uh, uh, ideas of what it means. Um, and so it's, it's super cool that you can offer that space for people to, like, first of all, and foremost, be yourself, right? Like, this is not a place to impress or perform or to, yeah. you know, rap the right way or whatever, or anything like that but it's just to break past a lot of those barriers that might be holding you back from being badass in the way totally i mean you know one thing that actually comes to mind and you can just laser it back if you feel like it's, it's digressing but um it's that whole knot of i'm not creative i'm not a creative person that right there is not flow you know like it's just that place you're already judging yourself right and so um for those of you who don't know like uh, getting in the flow, I believe that we're all massively creative people. You may not be creative in the way that I'm creative or like you're not going to articulate and communicate in the way that I will. And I don't expect you to like, you know, that's that, that wouldn't be, you can try on other people's, but ultimately it's, you know, what makes flow master so powerful is that it starts to remove that. It removes the seal of I'm not something into just expression. There's no right or wrong in flow master. What it is, is just you expressing yourself. And from that place, you would get surprised at how creative you are as a person when you can be in a space where you're not feeling judged and you're just free to roam inside the labyrinth of your own mind. And that is so beautiful. But I mean, it's, it's a common thing for us to want to judge ourselves all the time. You know, you turn on the TV a minute, like there's constant judgments. Any channel, any newscast is on there. There's no objectivity. They're all biased based on biases are judgments and so there's judgments everywhere so it's so easy when society and what we're force-fed are judgments judgment calls um but in flow masters and in other spaces this is only one vehicle so i'm not here to say you this is the way i'll tell you this is a right, way right. and a badass way at that <laughs> and i will make i will yeah. take ownership of that as a judgment i think it's fucking badass that's why i do it you know and yeah. um but from, from that place, when we can get to a place of when we're not judging ourselves and we explore, we start to find out things that we never knew. Because right now, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you might think that you're not creative, but maybe you never tried knitting before. Maybe you never tried golf before. And there are, so, there are things in, I, that I know that I would probably be passionate about that I just haven't tried yet. You know? Yeah. No, and, and it's, it's just about giving us that permission to trust ourselves in whatever we do, whatever we explore. I think that was kind of a missing component that I'd say I, I definitely fell from, from, you know, uh, uh, seeing or, or kind of uh, carved into uh, 
an expected path of, you know, this is what you should do, like from my parents or grandparents. And so like, all I did was follow. Right. And so we lose that trust to then start our own thing. So, um, I've been asking a lot of questions. I don't know if Sabo had, had, uh, anything to drop in or, or ask about that. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because the whole notion of am I a creative person or not, it reminds me of like, you know, when people just say, you know, like some people are just more musical than me or some people have more rhythm than me or, you know, I don't have good memory. You know, people are born with good memories. And, you know, I really believe like creativity, musicality, rhythm, you know, these are all just other muscles that you could work out. You know, if you don't work out your creative muscles, like it's, it's hard to create, you know, but having two kids and being the room parent um, for basically all of my daughter's classes, you know, like I'm a believer. Everyone is creative. All these kids are super creative, you know, and that's why I always try to encourage them, you know, to keep expressing themselves through painting, through talking, through blogging, through YouTubing, whatever it is. And, you know, I really think, you know, uh, Gavin, you're onto something, you know, this, this skill, I believe will show people like, even if you're not a great freestyler, like you can speak, honestly, you can tap into your truth. And I think once you tap into that and you start doing it unapologetically, there's something about that thing that I think just expands your mind into thinking, oh shit, I didn't think I could freestyle, but now I could freestyle. What other things that I think I couldn't do? And that's why I was telling you, you know, that's why I want to try contemporary dancing. Cause that was like the one thing that I felt like, okay, out of all the things that I've pushed myself doing, like I just couldn't imagine myself doing contemporary dancing. And I was like, all right, that's the thing I want to challenge myself with. So thank you, Gavin. So it wasn't really a question. It was just more of like an observation, but what are your thoughts about, you know, building creativity or building musicality? I think that the building creativity, uh, you know, my, my former career in social services, eight years was working with kids from three to 17 years old, you know, kids and teenagers. And I felt the same way that they were just massively created where they can, they can create this whole game out of just holding dirt, you know, and like, what, you know, who, what adults would do that now? It's just like, oh, that's childish stuff. And the minute that I did, I remember actually one time I went on a date. and so. Uh, I, I, even in my coaching, but what I do is I, I always, I kind of test based on my values. Do we have similar values? I really value playfulness. And I think that's a really important piece to creativity is being willing to play and to wonder, right? To play and to wonder, it, even in coaching, when it comes to clients or people that I work with, like if they don't have the capacity to wonder, well, they probably wouldn't come to me in the first place. But I gauge that they, they're not willing to wonder about something different. I can't help them. I can't. I can't, but if you're willing to wonder, you play with me, we can go somewhere, baby, you know? Uh, but that's that piece. Um, oh yeah. Just going back to the, to the dating thing too, is like, I asked her, Hey, I'm going to count to 30 and I'm going to find you go, you know? And, uh, so I was at, uh, basically I was just saying, let's play hide and seek for a little bit in this part. And then she was like, I don't do that. I'm an adult. And we ended up hanging out an hour after, but I was just, I was already complete. I was just like, okay, this is, that's a deal breaker. That don't even work for me. You know? I gave her a lollipop at the end with a little monkey I drew and I said, have a good day. And I left, you know, <laughs> uh, but yo, that's the thing bringing play. That's why in flow masses, we always start with the scat It's like, get out of your head. Stop taking yourself so seriously, like wiggle around a little bit, you know, ah, you know, 
be willing to, to break whatever you might feel is a social convention. Social conventions don't exist inside of the flow masters. Like, and so, you know, inside of doing more flow masters, like just bringing more flay. I've been, I've been playing with this idea more of like how I can gamify my life more. You know, I've been freestyling when I'm, I, I hate folding laundry. Now I listen to lo-fi and I'm freestyling about how much I hate folding laundry while I'm doing it. And I start to actually, ironically, I, I just start to enjoy it more, dude. <laughs> and so I'm bringing flow masters into my life, which means I'm bringing more play into my life. And like if people, I don't know if people are watching this or you're listening to it, I'm actually smiling. You probably hear it through my voice. I'm having a good time right now. And I think that if, the more that we can invite the sense of play, like, uh, schedule play, whatever that looks like for you, schedule something that brings the play out of you. You like coloring? Allow yourself to be a kid for an hour a week. Like, allow that. Br- invite that in. Because from a play, that's, that's where, like, if you're not used to being in a place of play, that does, it starts to bring different thoughts in your mind. You start to think different things. You start to feel a different way. And when you feel a different way, it opens new lines for different behaviors to take place. What, and if we can create a cycle on that, that starts to slowly shape shift a new life, shape shift the trajectory. And that's what I feel Flowmasters does. But underneath it, it's like it is having that playful spirit that is not exclusive to children. But for some reason, preconceptive notions, the more we learn, the more we, the more we do things, the more society or something has us that like it's, a, it's wrong or it's not adult-like. When that is a treasure trove for massive creativity and innovation. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I definitely heard, saw the flow in that. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and what I also, again, pull out of that is just like whenever we, we – to limit ourselves in play, we also, what, what results from that is like judgment, right? Like, oh, I'm not, I'm too old to go hide and seek. There's a judgment to that, right? And I think when there's a judgment to, I'm sure even anybody listening might have some judgment about what we're even talking about here, about this whole podcast, about you, about how you're expressing things, sure. about whatever, sure. right? And I think that judgment then contains you from, expanding into new experiences, into new beliefs, into new perspectives, yeah. into learning from other people. Um, and, and so I just, I really appreciate that what you're doing is building that sort of core skill in getting yourself out of your own judgment. And that then like branches out into many other areas you might take into your workplace, into your relationships, um, yeah. Imagine a little more play in a relationship, right? Right. right. Uh, a little more play with, with just coworkers, but in a very, in a, in a, you know, EQ, you know about EQ, but like in a, like a tactful way, you're not just going to, uh, you're not just going to like do some crazy shit, pull out a whip cushion, put it in your boss's face right. and stuff like that. Or maybe you will, you know, but like, that's what I think the beauty of is, is that as we age too, we get more experience. Right. Some experiences that we get, if we don't look back, we can be blinded by it. And then we, we, we're not aware of what actually really triggers us when it was really an imprint from something that happened in childhood, right? But like the more that we are live life, we actually have, we develop wisdom. We develop lessons. And so it's like, it's perfect. We're actually, the, the play that we can bring from as a kid to the wisdom that we now have, like that's power. Mm-hmm. And it's powerful and that'll look different for each person. Um, but I think that's a really powerful, that's a, it's something that I, I have every intent to take with me for the rest of my life is never forgetting that there's a playful kid inside of me that 
that's massively creative, that wants to have a good time. And now I wager that with my wisdom. That's, that's super cool. And, and children for the most part are already like very wise beings too. Like they have this intuition that is sometimes more wise than so many older grandpa and grandmas out there that might be set in their ways. But, um, I actually want to maybe transition slightly into uh, the question that was asked earlier in the beginning was what does being a badass Asian dude mean to you? Um, Both from the badass side, from the Asian side, and also from the dude. Yeah. So uh, for anybody listening, I am totally also curious to know what, what it means to you. So take everything that I say with a grain of salt for one. And the way with that being said, uh, being a badass Asian dude to me, First off, it means to me is being one who is connected with their emotions, so that they're emotionally aware, you know, and they they'll they'll even look at their their the labels, you know, they'll look at the labels of certain things in inside the world of a physiological response, you know, and you know when something's coming up, they have body awareness. They'll see like what's coming up for me, and then that I think is a great uh, prerequisite before the label there's a body sensation and by doing that too then we won't it's it's like there's less of taking this whole notion of disappointment you know or this whole label of anxiety or fear as seriously when we know that these are human constructed things this thing that's coming out of my mouth right now us as humans at some point created it after we got colonized like this wasn't even my birth language my birth language probably was going to be japanese right but even that was created by humans but we have these things that are going on in our body and so um, being cognizant of our physiological, uh, having a sensory awareness and how that, how that relates to our emotions, I think is really powerful. So they're emotionally aware. Another one too, is I would say they're value driven. And I mean that in two different ways. One value driven is contributing value, right? So the focus on actually helping other people, they're on contributing to, to the, the well-being of X people's lives. It, it doesn't have to be the whole world, you know? Um, it, it's, it's focused outwards to how can I make a difference? And then also value centric in, they are aware of where their core values are, what their core values really are. And so for, for me, for instance, I'm very clear that, that gratitude is my highest value. You know, I, I make sure that I have my itadakimasu moments every day, which basically just means thank you for everything that it took to make this happen. They don't have a word for that in English, but this is my way of of paying homage to those that come before me. And we can do that any, at any point. I call it an itadakimasu moment. It just takes two to three minutes. Um, but, you know, discipline and courage. Those are, two, those are two other big values. Those are like really high values for me. I value structured freedom. I value a sense of structure. I value my morning ritual. That's discipline, you know? Um, so value, value driven in my core values and contributing value is, is a, a big piece. And... Hmm. Another one that comes to mind is personal responsibility. And so a great question for, for those of you who know, like coaching, a big part of coaching is really asking, learning how to ask questions. And they're oftentimes empowering open-ended questions. Um, and so personal responsibility could look like um, you, every t- anytime you find yourself triggered, what is it about me that really has me triggered? Instead of blaming, instead of diffusing responsibility, it's pointing it inward. It's turning the mirror and being like, hey, wait, what is it that I'm really upset about? How might I have played a part in this? 
And so I think a badass Asian dude is someone that's going to turn the mirror like this and realize that how they're the blame game is likely a part of how they relate to themselves. And the more that they could do this and do that, that's where they start to get their power back because they realize that no one's taking, you're not taking, no one's taking away your power as much as you're taking away it from yourself. So I think personal responsibility is a huge, a huge one for it. And another one too, and this is my complete bias, um, but there's the reason why in spiritual scriptures, it's brought up a lot is I think a baddest Asian dude is grateful. I brought in the Itadaki Mas moment. And I think that gratitude is such a powerful, it's so powerful in the world. And if I really take the time to slow down and just to pay mind and attention to the things and to the blessings and the gifts and the miracles that are in my life, like really this moment right now, y'all, is a freaking miracle. This moment right here, so many of the million fragments of moments and things that had to happen sequentially in order for this moment to take place right now to be wherever you are, whether you're in the car, whether, whether you're in the bathroom taking a shit, wherever it is, there's so many different moving pieces that had to place so many different people that had to make it possible for this moment to happen where exactly you are. Um, and that is that gratitude is it gets me out of what I call ruts. It, it makes me, has me more connected. You know, it's a big part of my meditating with my mom in the mornings. Gratitude is a bigger one. And I see it transforming our relationship. And we start with breath and gratitude. And so I think that gratitude is a characteristic of a badass Asian. Well, yeah, I haven't been on the other bad podcast where we asked this question, but I think that's probably the best answer that we heard so far. I'm willing to put some money on that. So, hey, thank you for sharing that. You know, actually, I wrote down a bunch of them, you know, because I think these should be added to, you know, like our tenants of like what our expectations are for people in this group. And I think you asked earlier, you know, like, you know, what our definition of a badass Asian dude is. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, being that I've been with that group since the beginning, um, before I took over. And I think the group was in existence for, I think almost a year before we decided to, or not, we decided before they asked us to take over and, and change the group. But, you know, I, I would say that the way people looked at badass Asian dudes was, or what a badass Asian dude was, was, you know, someone that was, kind of like that archetype of like, oh, that's the guy I want to be like when I grow up, you know, like the good looking dude, the rich dude, the successful dude, the dude that had a bunch of girlfriends, the guy that, you know, at the beach has a six pack abs and, you know, just looks great in his speedo and stuff. Right. And, you know, I, I do think those attributes are still pretty badass, you know, because those are things that I think a lot of people want to at least be able to do if they were able to do it. But you know, I, we, what we really wanted to do was to transform, you know, what people thought of as a badass Asian dude to something a lot more deeper, you know, someone that is emotionally aware, someone who takes accountability, someone who has gratitude for the things that are in front of them and make it much less accomplishment based, but much more, you know, how are you as a person versus what have you done? You know, but I think if you could do both, and that truly is kind of like a transcendent, badass Asian dude, right? That, that is so true. I think that goes into the second piece that I said is of being value-driven. 
as far as not just contributing value and also is understanding your values. That person that's yoked, that's yoked and he's got nice pecs, he got the eight pack going on. If like what makes, what, looking at that, I don't look just looking to be like, that's, that's necessarily super badass to me. What would make me badass is, dude, that's freaking awesome. Like what, what inspired you? What motivated you to, to do that? And he's like, well, I remember, you know, if, if I heard a response, like, I just want to get all the badass chicks, you know? I wouldn't think that's that badass, man. But if I heard like, you know, I was really scrawny growing up, you know, and I never believed that I can be that big. And then if something clicked to me, you know, that, that I was just like, no, I can. And so me sculpting my body is a testament to transforming my belief. So to make it possible for other people out there that may not believe that they are capable of something, that they can do it. That is badass. And that's a value driven. And in, at a value driven, and that's a value driven achievement. So that totally is in line with the second part, you know? And um, I think that's badass. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one part that I really want to stress that I think is super important is being value driven and wanting to give back and to serve a higher purpose because, you know, what's the point of being a badass if you're the only badass, right? And the interesting thing about that is, you know, I, I'm speaking from experience, which is, you know, in my group, I, I was the badass of my group. And as my friends started maturing and becoming badasses themselves, I kind of felt a little threatened, to be honest. You know, I like I was like, oh, shit, my role is like starting to to change in this group. You know, like before I'd be like, all right, we're getting Carl's Jr. or we're getting Jack in the Box. Everyone's just like, yeah, you know, we'll go get this fast food. Now it was kind of like this other guy was like starting to have more influence. And then ultimately, you know, when I started understanding like serving the greater good is so much more fulfilling than just doing stuff for yourself. You know, I could embrace the other badasses. I started going, oh shit, I don't need to choose and figure out where we need to eat. I could just kick back, smoke some weed and let Victor choose where we go. And I'll just go sit in the backseat and enjoy and go for the ride. And when it's my turn to have to step up and I'll step up too, you know, because I learned those skills in the past. So yeah, but this whole value driven thing is super duper. Like it resonates with me so much because, um, and people just, I mean, that's why I volunteer at school. You know, even though I'm super busy, it's like helping these kids, that feeling that you get from helping, you know, it's, to me, it's better than anything that happens in business. You know, like that makes me happy too, you know, cause I know, oh shit, I could go buy a new computer or I could buy this or that, but it's not the same as like watching these kids faces light up they level up inside and you know, they just knew that they leveled up because they figured out some new trick. Yeah. That's the best thing to me. Mm. Yeah. I love that you said value driven. That's awesome. Like a few things come to mind when you had mentioned that. Um, well, actually, is there, is there any other questions? No, I mean, I, I would be curious to, to go into like the, how our Asian identity kind of. Yeah. Let's, let's, get, let's get into that. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Cause I was going to comment on like, um, uh, the fact that, you know, I think for Asian, Asian American standpoint, maybe one of our values is maybe leaning towards the American side of like, I gotta, I gotta do things for me and like, you know, make myself look good or, or what, whatnot. And, um, but more on the East Asian side is that collective thought of how can I contribute to a community? How can I, how can I provide value? And that's kind of a theme that I heard from both of you here is kind of like, not only are you value driven in terms of, you know, acting 
and living to your own values, but how can you provide value to others? How can you um, also, you know, help others or bring others up with you? Um, that's pretty badass when you can when you can do that for others. Yeah. So um, I have definitely have thoughts on that. You want me to just branch off of that or do you have a specific question? No, I, yeah, I didn't have a specific question. Yeah, no. So no, it's, that's really great. I think that, you know, for all of you listening out there, mostly going to be Asian American dudes. I, I really think that we're, we're really, it's, we, we have an advantage and that's because here we are integrated, integrating into an individualistic culture and we came from a collectivistic Right. So there's like this understanding of maybe even uh, it, it can feel innate understanding of, hey, I'm, I'm a part of a whole. And then also I'm also an individual. And to have that awareness of both, I think, is super powerful. It's not like one's necessarily better than the other, but like actually having both. There's there's a more of this whole holistic piece to come from. And so just to let you know, it might be I might be um, different in some respects from a lot of. Um, of the other baddest Asian dudes out there in the sense that I'm a fourth generation Japanese American, right? So my family lineage, my grandparents spoke perfect English after World War II. That probably had a big uh, reason as to they didn't, them not passing down Japanese to, to my parents. They don't speak Japanese, you know? So I speak a little bit, but uh, I really grew up integrated in, in this culture. And yet it's so interesting how... You know, the more that I've, I, when I lived in Japanese, in Japan, and then I learned a little bit more about my lineage, just how that sense of, of, you know, like not really wanting to, to speak up or really wanting to share your emotions, it just was not prevalent in the household. And not that my parents were being neglectful at all, that they, they provide in so many different ways and just, I love you, or I'm feeling this way or that. We didn't talk about that. You know, and so that was just something that uh, I had to learn. You know, it's just it, it it was a it's a it was a messy journey. And even when I say I love you to my mom, it's a lot more comfortable now. But uh, you know, I had to introduce that in 2012, basically, and it was like the weirdest thing. I didn't get I love you back. You know, uh, it it's just it was it was it was strange, and um, uh, it gives. And so that I know that there's. Mm, challenges that that come in trying to equip ourselves maybe with emotional intelligence which we talk about is not something that we're known for as asian americans for and it's understandable you know it's understandable that you know also just coming over here into a new country and then having to be strong you know and having to learn new things and then having that sense of stoicism uh is also uh it's powerful in its own way but it's only one way and so that's why i think that we are really it's we're at a, we're really have a lot of potential like we can really have great influence in the future and in leadership roles and you know what actually something that kind of pissed me off but like it's like oh this is an area for growth i read an article one time i thought i don't know if it was harvard business review or but i read an article one time that that had mentioned that uh asians asians and asian americans represent the lowest percentage when it comes to managerial roles and other races Right, right. And I forgot where that came from. But um, I was, when I read that article, I'm like, oh, that shit's going to change. You know, that shit's going to change. And so I think that, you know, the Asian, the Asian identity, I see how it has shaped me. And also, I'm so grateful to have that sense of collective on how you can work together and, and actually band together. Let's never forget that. 
as we're expanding the badass Asian dudes as well, know that we're badass Asian dudes together, you know, like that it's not about us competing and trying to pull out who got the biggest pecs. And I'm not taking away that competition's not a like competition's dope too. You want to get better? Like you want to get better, but like it's it's almost the sense of like, who are you competing with? And who who you know, who are you competing against and who are you competing with? Who's know who's on your team? No. Well, I think I think it's it's competition that uh, healthy competition is competing to reach new heights without tearing others down, beating people down. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the misconception there is, you know, when, when we feel like we need to get on top that we have to push someone else down, but that's, that, that's not how, um, that's not how a productive society, I think could, could work. So, um, want to be mindful of our time here. This is such lots of, lots of gems in here, which, um, for anyone listening, I'd love to, we'd all love to connect with you and, and, you know, learn more about anything that you might've drawn out of for yourself. Um, and especially as we're starting to build up this podcast, want to continue making this really relevant to, to where you're at and where you're, what kinds of obstacles you might be facing too. So love to hear from you. But um, one, one question I guess I want to leave with you, Gavin, here is what's, what's one piece of advice that um, that you might be adopting or working on for yourself when it comes to becoming a badass Asian dude? Hmm. One is, um, this advice is like, I'm getting a lot of people that are coming and sharing their opinions to me about like how to raise, do flow masters, how things are going. So it's just like, it's this sense of, it's like a dance of a receptivity. I'm like, I'm not going to shut myself off from other people and saying, you know, I want to be receptive to what other people have to say. I think it's helpful to kind of like also know just about what, what my reputation or what people think of me. I think that's a healthy, not to dwell in that overly, but to be aware of that. So to have this awareness and then from that checking back in with myself, you know, what do I really desire? You know, what is really the purpose? And, and just remembering that, like, check in with your inner wisdom, Gavin, your inner wisdom knows. Yeah, and then use that to and have an awareness of what's going on, and go back into your inner wisdom. Cool. So I think inner inner wisdom, just going back into that. Sometimes meditation or slowing down my breath helps me to um, get back in touch with that. That's awesome. Yeah. So so kind of really, uh, you know, learning to be receptive from others, but also making sure that you're still connected to. Yeah. And, you know, from a, uh, from a practical point of view, for those of you are like, okay, that sounds really lofty. How do I make that more practical? So I would say, um, you know, if you don't have like some type of centering practice is, um, doing some type of conscious breathing practice, you can YouTube it, you can headspace. It's an app. You can go on calm. It's an app. I breathe is a great app that teaches box breathing and intervals. And then from there, it's like, just checking in. It's like, what, what do I really desire right now? I'd, I'd actually even get just sorry to cut you off, but to even more practical is build out a list of because this is the theme of like oh so many people telling me what to do right getting overwhelmed with information overload. Um, build out a list of all the things that you want, maybe twenty five things. Circle only five of them, and the twenty other ones is what you should avoid. That's what you need to like purposely not do so that you can really focus on what is true that's great that's that's that requires a, a sense of prioritization and right. discernment yeah so that's and, a good one too 
and to say no to to things as well. Um, yeah, that's a good one. What kind of what I was getting at is is even the first desire that comes up is going into the seven levels of why that Dean Graciosi talks about, and he talks about you just go into why. And then whatever the answer is, why, whatever the answer is, why, and go down to seven levels. And that really gets you down to, it gets really hard. Mm-hmm. It gets really hard. And it really warrants really getting deep on what is your real motive for this thing that you so-called claim to desire. Um, well, awesome. Well, definitely awesome to have you here, Gavin. And uh, it's been super cool to just be a part of what you've been building here as well. I'm excited to see where that all goes. Um, where could people find you or attend one of your Flowmaster sessions? Uh, absolutely. So probably be uh, checking out the links, but you can just search up Flowmasters in the Facebook. Uh, there'll probably be links in the bottom. That's actually the Facebook group that I'm slowly building out. Um, and uh, there's also Eventbrite. There's something called Virtual Flowmasters Friday that I do every single Friday from 5 to 6.15 p.m. PST. And this is really special, y'all. Like, come check it out. Victor has come out. Uh, Sable has come out. And actually, other people from Badass Asian Dudes have come out. And so come out. Check it out. Even if you wanted to come out and you didn't want to uh, participate at first because you're trying to test the waters, cool. Just come out. And you just might find yourself wanting to jump in because that's how it tends to go. Uh, but with that, like, definitely come out. You'll be you'll be seeing a glimmer of of what it's going to be inside of these Fridays, and um, it's oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So exciting. Yeah. And what about if someone wants to hire you as a mindset coach? How could they find you? If someone wants to hire me as a mindset coach, then you can go on to uh, gavinmasumia.com. So it's my full name. dot com. You can see the different services that I also offer there, and then from there you can go into my Calendly and then schedule a consultation. And then we can work, we can go from there. Um, when it comes to also one-on-ones, I'm pretty exclusive. So I don't just work with anybody. And if you're really serious about that and you're willing to make that commitment, because uh, time is really precious, yeah, reach out to me because I'm here to work with badasses that want to be badassers. Awesome. Awesome. Man, I think a prerequisite to being a badass Asian dude is going to Flowmasters. Um, that's just me. That's just me. I think that's true. So, hey, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Badass Asian Dudes. Victor, as always, thank you for being the co-host. You did an excellent job. Gavin, you killed it as always. Um, I'm so happy to have met you. You've really enriched my lives. And for everyone listening here, you know, if this sounds good to you, if you think someone will benefit from this, please leave a review. Please share this podcast. Give us a thumbs up, you know. Um, that'll really help with the iTunes, the Spotify algorithms. And yeah, if you guys have any questions, comments, things like that, leave them in the comments section. We'll get them to Gavin and we'll make sure everyone gets uh, uh, their questions answered. Any last words, gentlemen? I love connecting with other badass Asian dudes. So um, holler and have a badass rest of your day. And if you aren't already part of the Facebook group, definitely search Facebook for badass Asian dudes or just go to Facebook dot com slash groups slash badass asian dudes and uh we'd love to have you there and check out Flowmasters for real though okay that's gonna be the last plug check it out you will <laughs> not be disappointed period let's go